You have to bear with me today. I'm losing my voice. Some of your prayers have been answered. My wife made me some kind of contraption. I asked her to put bourbon in it. She said no, but she promised me it'd make my voice get through this sermon. I haven't slept much lately. I don't sleep much. My wife does snore all night long, keeps me up. And uh, add on that, I've been busy lately. So here's the deal. I'm running on about the last 72 hours on about two meals and about 12 energy drinks. And I'm feeling good. I see three of all of you right now. We're going to have fun today, though. You know, I am convinced that the fakest place on earth is church every Sunday morning. It's really am. I hate fakeness. I always tell people, you might not like me, and I accept that I'm not a real likable guy. But what you get on Sunday is what you're going to get on Monday, and that's what you're going to get on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So if you don't like me on Sunday on stage, you're going to really hate me at Ingalls on Tuesday. I don't do fake. I don't do fake on social media. I don't do fake anywhere. I am who I am, and if you like me, you like me, and if you don't like me, you don't like me, and I can't help but you have bad taste. But church, man, is just full of fake people. And they're not always fake. That's what's amazing to me. They don't live their lives fake. It's like they turn into the church parking lot and something happens and the fakeness gene comes over them because God forbid anybody know we're not perfect. I mean, you get up on Sunday morning, the kids don't want to get up, you're raising Cain and raising heck at them, and you're yelling at them, and it's World War III to get them ready for church, and ladies, most of the time I get ladies, I get ladies that most of the time it's your husband who also won't get out of bed and go to church because men have stopped leading in our country, but that's a different sermon for a different day, and so now all the ladies got to get the men ready to come to church because men won't take the lead because they're more interested in watching the race or the football game, and God forbid they'd be the spiritual leaders of their home. But like I said, that's not today's sermon. So you fight with the husband all the way to church and he's griping about coming to church and he doesn't want to go to church and he doesn't understand why you make him come to church and you fight the whole way and there's nothing pleasant about coming to church until you turn in that parking lot. The fake smiles come on. You hold hands. The kids are still being horrible but you're trying to sugarcoat it. You know how you do, you, don't, parents, I got the moves down. You grab them by the neck like you're rubbing their, their back, the kids. And you just pinch the crap out of them when they start to, just till you get them to the kids area. Because you want everyone to think you got it together. You want everyone to think that your real life is as great as your social media life betrays it. And church just becomes a fake place. How you doing, brother? Praise God, man. Hallelujah. Jesus, I am great. Just lost my job, got diagnosed with stage four cancer, and this is going on. My wife's cheating on me. My kids are running out doing drugs, but sure, I'm not going to share any of that with you. I'm just going to say, praise God, it's great. Because I don't want you to think less of me. And we live in a culture where people are getting turned off to the church. And one of the reasons, and I could do a whole series on that, but one of the reasons they're turned off to the church is they're just so sick of the fakeness in church. But here's the deal. They taught me in Bible college that everything rises and falls with leadership. So if we have churches full of fake people, 
And everything rises and falls on leadership. And I would surmise that the reason we have fake churches is because we have fake pastors. We have a group of men and a group of women leading churches all over the country who get up on stage every Sunday morning and they are literally the definition of fake. Because God forbid you realize they're human. God forbid that you realize that they have some of the same struggles that you have. God forbid they go through some of the same temptations you go through. But God forbid they deal with some of the same emotional issues that you deal with. Because here's the deal. You're so insecure in your own life and don't know how to get your own life balanced. you got to look to the person on stage to at least find some kind of validation. And when you look up there, you need to see perfection. And it's unrealistic. And then we get shocked when pastors fall or pastors screw up or pastors are human. I thought he was a pastor. No, he's not a pastor. That's what he does for a living. That's his calling. He's still a human. And last time I checked, there's only one person who ever lived perfect. And I'm not real sure where that, that shift in culture came. I, I, I'm not real sure. I, I think in America it's worse than any other place because we are a starstruck nation. We glamorize people that we consider people in positions of leadership and positions of power or who are up on a stage and we put them up on this pedestal, whether it's actors or musicians or sports athletes or pastors, and we expect them to be without blemish. They have to be spiritual giants. They have to have it all together. They never mess up. They never struggle with things. And I know this is probably a shock to some of you, but here's the deal. Pastors are real people too. I know, it's amazing. It's hard to believe if you've ever met most pastors because you've got to get past the helmet hair, you know, and the perfectly tailored suit. And that foreign language they speak, you know, they ought to start teaching this in school as a foreign language, the Christianese. You know, like they're talking, hallelujah, brother, praise God. How, had some guy literally corn me, at, corn me, corner me at a fe, the festival yesterday. He's like, uh, I'd like to talk to you for a second. I said, yeah, man, what's going on? I understand you, Pastor Action Church. I said, oh. I said, I do, Pastor Action Church. Man, you ought to come check it out. Well, I was just under wanting to know what you thought about the propitiation of our sins in regards to justification of the sinner. I'm about five beers in at that time because of Jose. And I'm like, huh? And then I kid you not. He gives me some example of a blanket covering up a ditch and that the ditch is justification and the blanket's propitiation. And, and I'm like, what is this guy talking about? Like, I've done the gig and I know the Christianese and I still don't even know what this dude's talking about. And I don't understand why we're talking about it at a festival. I don't even want to talk about it on Sunday. But he was spitting at Christianese. And sometimes you got to get past the fakeness. Turns out he was a pastor in town. He was a super nice guy. He was a little overzealous, and I don't think we'll ever talk again. But you know, that's cool. But you got to get past the pastor. You got to get past the Christianese language. And you just got to realize at the end of the day, pastors are human. And if you want to set yourself up for disappointment, put them on a pedestal they don't belong on. 
They struggle with the same issues that the people in the seats struggle with. They go through the same struggles and the same temptations. They have the same problems. They have the same dirty thoughts as those in the seats, except they won't tell you that they do because you might think less of them. I was talking to a pastor the other day, and he was telling me about his struggle with pornography. And I said, man, you need to go to your leadership, and man, get some help with that. Sounds like you're struggling. And he said, man, if I go to my leadership, they're going to fire me. And I thought to myself, what a shame. It's going to get fired. And instead of the church looking at him and saying, hey, man, we love you. Let us help you. Because that's what he would do if anybody in the seats came to him. I, just, I said, that's what you, listen, I know it's a white church, but every once in a while you can amen. I said, that's what he would do if they came to him. Kevin. I need some soul up in this church. You've been coming to this church since day one. I'm about sick of acting white. I deal with it during worship when you don't clap in unison. I can't deal with it during a sermon. He couldn't even be honest for fear of losing his job and not being able to support his family. Tell me the system is not broke. But he's a pastor. No, he's a human. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to lay it all out because I have a unique situation here at Action Church. I can't be fired. <laughs> Someone asked me one time, they said, could you tell me how your church is structured as far as um, decisions? Do you, do, you do, do you guys vote on issues? I said, we vote every Sunday. He said, really? I've never heard of such a thing. You guys vote every Sunday? I said, every Sunday we vote. He said, what do you vote on every Sunday? I said, we vote on every Sunday on whether or not I remain the pastor. He said, you vote on every Sunday if you remain the pastor? I said, yeah. He goes, how do you, is it part of the service? I said, no, it's before the service. I said, if people show up, I take that as yes, they voted for me to continue to be the pastor. If no one ever shows up, then I'll take it as they continue for me not to be the pastor. He never visited Action Church. When we started this church, I decided early on, I wasn't interested in fakeness. I'm not interested in leading out front. I'm not interested in leading from the stage and saying, oh my gosh, look at Gary. He's this spiritual giant. He's got it all together. I, I, I decided early on, I'm going to be me, flaws and all, broke, busted, and disgusted, hurts, habits, and hangups, and the people that come through the doors are just going to be people who understand we're all flawed and we're all in this together. I decided early on that I wanted people to come through the doors of this church, and I'm not trying to be funny when I say this. I mean it with everything that is in me. I wanted them to look up on the stage and say, if God can use that guy, he can use me. Because I believe God has a plan for your life. I believe God has a purpose for your life. I believe God has a calling for your life. I tell you this all the time, you might have been a surprise to mommy and daddy when they made out in the back seat of their car, but you were not a surprise to God. He formed you. He created you. He shaped you. He knows the hairs on your head. He told Jeremiah, he said, I have called you out. He said, before you were formed in your womb, in the mother's womb, I knew you and I called you out and I set you apart for greatness. God has greatness in every one of you. I believe that. But that greatness gets squelched 
because we come in and we look at the leadership of a church and they're being fake and we think, man, I don't measure up to that. I must not be a good Christian. I don't have it together like them. Someone literally came to me recently and said, man, I want a marriage like you and Christine. I I love my marriage with Christine. Let me preface that. I said, what do you mean? It don't seem like you guys ever fight. (laughs) Lamb? Before lamb, cope? Cope lamb? That is recipe for, listen, there are some fights that go down. I know it appears that being married to me would be the perfect thing. But I can be self-centered. Shocker, I know. I know. I can be selfish, I know. I can be cocky, I know. I can tend to think for some reason that everything revolves around me and when I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it and we're going to do what I want to do when I want to do it and we're going to go eat where I want to go eat and do what we want to do all because the whole world is about Gary. And that makes it difficult to live with at times. <laughs> you need to know some things. I don't have it all together. Shocker. I screw up a lot. I can be very, very selfish. I cuss a little bit. I cuss a lot. Try not to cuss. People told me to quit cussing from the stage. I'm a little bit overweight. My shirt feels a little bit snug today. And, and like, here, and here like, I... I get convicted when I put the shirt on, it's a little bit snug, but then I get used to it being snug, and I'm like, man, I just want to get done with church and go eat some chicken wings, and I don't care that it's snug, you know? I like to drink every now and then, you know? I screw up as a dad all the time, you know? I don't have it all together, and that's okay. (laughs) Even on spiritual issues, listen, even on spiritual issues, I struggle with a lot of the issues that you struggle with. I struggle that I read this Bible, and sometimes on a surface level, I see a lot of contradictions. I I, I struggle with the thing that pastors preach, and they twist and they turn, and and they, they twist and they turn it so good, and I'm like, man, are they right? I get it, I struggle. I struggle with a lot of the same spiritual issues that you struggle with. So what we're going to do during this series is I'm just going to confess some things to you. Because I just tend to believe that if I struggle with this issue, chances are really good you struggle with this issue. But the difference is you may not feel like because of the way the church is set up in general in our country that you have the freedom to say, man, I struggle with that issue. And if you don't admit you struggle with that issue, how do you get help for that issue? The Bible says this in James 5. 16, confess, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another. Then look why it says you should do that, that you may be healed. We have to confess, we need to confess the things that we struggle with. We need to have people in our life that we can go to and say, hey man, I'm not okay. And they'll look at us and be like, that's okay. We need the freedom to go to people and say, man, I'm struggling in this issue and I'm struggling in that issue. And for them to be like, man, yeah, we probably need to get that dialed in. But guess what? You're not broken. That's okay. 
We've got to have someone that we confess to and someone that when we confess to, instead of judging us, they'll look at us and pray for us. And and don't get caught up in that word pray either. It's not saying we shouldn't pray, but really what that word really is meaning there is, is they will be there for us. They'll walk through that fire with us. They'll deal with it. They're not going to bail because we freak them out. And we might freak them out. That's okay. Some of you freak me out. And in all fairness, I freak some of you out. But that's okay. We're in this together. And we're going to confess some things. The Bible says we confess those things. We walk with each other so that we can be healed in those things that we're struggling with, that we can find answers in the things that we're struggling with, or if we can't find the exact answer to what we're struggling with, that we can at least realize it's okay that I'm struggling with this and stay on course and stay on line. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to share with you, like, I'm going to talk to you about, this is going to be a shocker to you, and some of you might not ever come back. Like, sometimes I have doubts about God. I actually went through this about six weeks ago. I don't know why, and it wasn't some long thing, but, but there was this day, and, and something had happened. I don't even remember what had happened. And, um, I don't, oh, a buddy of mine's dad passed away suddenly, and I had to go to do a long drive to the funeral. And I didn't know him, but I knew my buddy really well, and I'm driving out there, and all of a sudden, I had this moment. I, I don't want to call it a panic attack, because I don't really do panic attacks or anxiety, but I started having this feeling in my chest, and I'm like, wow, what if heaven's not real? What if God's not real? What if I'm fixing to get up in front of these people and I'm about to tell them about something that's fake? Now, I don't believe that that's the case. But, but I, I had doubts about God in that moment. I'm going to talk to you about that in a couple of weeks. I, I, I'm going to talk to you about this, and this is going to be a really shocker to you because I seem so loving in this area. But here's the deal with me. I, I just, pastoral confessions, it is what it is, Okay. They say confession is good for the soul, but it's bad for the ego. Here, here's the deal. I just can't stand most Christians. I, I, like, I don't like them. Like, a lot of times when people tell me they're a Christian, instantly a wall goes up, and, and I don't want to talk to them. You say, that's not very Christian. Yeah, I know. It's not very pastoral. Yeah, 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 I know. And we're going to walk through that together. Basically, what I'm doing is I'm going to lay the black couch out, and we're going to have a therapy session together here in a couple of weeks. (laughs) Sometimes I'm going to confess to you that that I think everything is about me, and I can be really selfish. At at times, i got to be honest, at times, even though I know the biblical truths of grace, I talked about it last week, at times, I wonder not if God would let me in heaven, but I wonder how could God let someone like me into heaven? Now, I believe I'm going to be there. You know my theory on that. I pray about that a lot. I say, God, when I get to heaven, put my mansion on the same street as the people I previously pastored who cannot stand me, where every day when I go to my heavenly mailbox, I can walk out and be like, I made it, suckers. You didn't think I'd be here. And I am working as a janitor down at the heavenly factory, but I'm here. I just want to drive them crazy for eternity. But today, I want to confess something to you that I do think is a big deal because, man, I think as a pastor, this is something you should depend on me about. But I struggle with this issue, 
And it's not even a matter of struggling on whether I believe it's true or not. It's just something I don't enjoy doing. And the confession is this. I don't really like praying. Yeah, silence. Yeah, I know, I get it. I get my job. I understand what I'm supposed to do. You heard that right. But there's times in my life that I literally hate praying. And I know that probably doesn't give you a lot of confidence when you come to me and ask me to pray about something. And I promise when you come to me and ask me to pray about something, I do that. But I just don't really like it. Now, now, as with anything that we don't like, there's a good story with why we don't like it. So when I graduated high school, I met this girl. And I wanted to hook up with this girl. And I was enamored with this girl. I was so enamored with this girl that I can't even remember her name now. And um, it was love. And so I met her, and she said, well, listen, that sounds fun. We can go out. But here's a, my parents are not going to let me go out with you unless you go to church with me. I had not been to church in a long time. I'm like, cool, we'll go to church. Let's roll. I get laser focused on what I want. So we roll up into church. I'd never been to a little country Baptist church at this time in my life. Roll up into the church. You know, I'm talking about the church that's all over Can That little brick, it's like a rectangle brick with the same purple stained glass and the steeple. Like, they all look the same. And if you walk in, they got two colors. They either got the yellow felt pews and carpet or they got the red felt pews and carpet. This one had the red ones. And we sit down, and there's about 60 people there. And they sing a song, and the guy gets up there, and he waves his hand, and they sing this song. And then they did something. To this day, I've been in ministry now 20 years, something I've never seen since then. They said, we would like to have all the men come down front for a moment of prayer. I'm thinking, they ain't talking about me. I'm 19. I ain't a man. I'm staying right here. All the men go down front, and all the men start holding hands. I ain't holding no dude's hand. And so I'm sitting there. It's pretty obvious I'm the only dude who hasn't went down. And the girl elbows me and says, you need to go down. If you want to go out with me, my parents are going to get mad if you don't go pray and go down. I said, I am not going down. Wham, go down. So I go down. They try to hold my hand. And I don't get the holding hand thing, because you always get like, like the squeeze your hand guy. Like, why do you need to squeeze my hand like that, dude? We're just holding hands like to pray, apparently, because that's what you got to do. But you're breaking my hand. Or you get sweaty palm guy, and he's like, his hand's all sweaty. Like, I don't want to shake this dude's hand. Like, even here, Phil today went to shake me. He's like, oh, you don't shake hands. I don't like to shake hands. I don't, sweaty palm guy's gross. Or dead fish guy, you know, just... I don't want to hold dead fish guy's hands. You know, it's weird, you know. Or, and I know this is shallow, but like ugly chick, you know, and you're like, I don't want to hold her hand, you know. Or, or like, like super hot chick, and you're like, man, I don't want to hold super hot chick's hand. That's what we pray, and I don't want to be thinking about super hot chick. It's just, there's just a lot of complications that go into the holding of the hand, and I don't want to do it. And I definitely don't want to do it when I'm 19 in a country church where I don't know anybody, and I had to go down with all these old men. And then here's what happened. The first guy in line starts praying. And when he got done, the second guy in line starts praying. And then the third guy. And then all of a sudden, I'm not a very smart human being, but I'm thinking, wait a minute, they're going to get to me in this line, and they want me to pray, and I don't know these people, and I don't do church, and I just want to take this girl to the movies. 
and I start sweating, and I'm pouring sweat, and like I'm sweating so bad that it's coming through my shirt, and I'm thinking, Grant's gonna be taking this girl out, and I'm sweating through my shirt, this is not cool, I don't know these people, and you just don't understand what goes on in my mind. So it's going crazy, and it gets to me. I'm like, God, uh, thank you for a great day, and um, hope the movie to be good. Amen. It's what I prayed. Suddenly, the next guy doesn't pray. I thought when you prayed, you closed your eyes. They broke the close your eye rule. And I opened my eyes, and they're all staring at me. Apparently, I didn't pray right. So I'm a little bit weird when it comes to praying. Then when I finally gave my life to Christ, I went to a church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night service, and on Wednesday night, they had this thing called prayer meeting. Anybody ever been to a Wednesday night prayer meeting? They should call it Wednesday night gossip session. It is not a prayer meeting. It is a gossip session under the guise of prayer. Pray for so-and-so. You know he's drunk again. Pray for old sister so-and-so. She's a whore. But you're not really gossiping because you're asking people to pray for them. And then they start praying for them, and you're like, oh, Lord, I pray for Johnny. You know he's a drunk, Lord. I know he had a fifth of Jack Daniels last night, and, Lord, I heard he was at, at the shuffle in, staggering out. Like, like why do you got to have all that just to be praying for Johnny? And I don't know a Johnny that was staggering at the shuffle in, so let, let's get that straight. It's just the name that came to my head. You know, might have been yours, Janice. It was just weird. It was just weird. So it left me jaded about prayer. Prayer's uncomfortable to me. And I want to pray. And I want to pray for you guys. But I just struggle at times praying. Be honest. A lot of you come to me and say, hey, can you pray with me about something? And I'll say, hold on for a second. And what do I do? I grab Janice. I say, man, Janice will pray for you. You know why? Because I take it serious. Janice will pray for you. She's a prayer warrior. Warrior. I'm going like, to probably forget. I struggle with prayer, you know? And over the years, prayer has become easier for me. But for so long, it was a huge issue in my life. And I think if you were to be honest today, a lot of you struggle with prayer too. Because we have this illusion of what prayer is supposed to be. We watch on TV and these people pray. And we, what's the movie with the prayer closet? War Room. And don't get me wrong, I love that movie. I watched me some War Room. We got a prayer closet in the Lamb House. Pink. We have a pink prayer closet. And um, I think that was a miscue at Lowe's and it was like $2. And so the prayer closet's pink. I love that. But if you hear that lady prayer in, the, in that movie... And you come out and you want to pray. Your prayers aren't going to line up like that lady. Maybe you're just going to feel a little weird about it. And so I struggled with prayer forever. I always felt like, man, I don't know how to pray. It can be intimidating to pray. I, I don't know if what I'm praying about is the right thing to pray about. I got to be really honest with you. I kind of found it boring. Like I go in the prayer closet. I'm like, this is cool. And then like two minutes in, I'm like, man, have I been here for like 30 minutes just praying? Oh, I've been here two minutes. You know, and then, you know. Oh, I, I, listen. We're confessing things, right? I know none of you are going to admit. But sometimes when you start praying, like that's when the inappropriate things that you should never think about pop in your head. And like, wait a minute, I'm praying. No one think about that. I guess prayer was a struggle at times in my life. Times I didn't think God cared. 
oh, man, there's so much more important thing. There's kids starving in Africa, and I'm praying about this. And I just struggled with prayer. And for years, I had this lack of passion when it came to prayer. And it used to bother me as a pastor. But over time, God has taught me some incredible truths about prayer. And I want to share them with you today. God has changed my life when it comes to prayer. Like I said, we have a prayer closet in our house. There's been some awesome things that have happened in that prayer closet. My wife and I will both tell you when we're in that prayer closet on a regular basis, things are clicking. Things are going good. When we get out of that prayer closet, man, things go to hell. We've been in the prayer closet lately. Man, hey, there's just power in the prayer. But we need to understand some things about prayer. We need to quit overcomplicating prayer. We need to quit overthinking prayer. We need to quit putting all this pizzazz and fakeness around prayer. First thing is this. You need to understand that prayer is simply communicating with God. Do not overthink it. Do not overprocess it. Do not make it something it is not. It is us communicating with God. The Bible says in 1 John this, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Why does God hear us? Because we're communicating with him. Prayer is simply us communicating to God. It is us sharing our words. It is us sharing our thoughts thoughts it is us sharing our emotions understanding this simple principle will change your life it is not a show it is not a performance it is not a ritual it is not a recited thing that you say every night it is simply communicating with the heavenly father about what's going on in your life somebody say amen man it's not about how big the words are. It's not about how fancy and educated you are. It's simply communicating with God as I would with anyone else. As I have understood this, God has begun to reveal some stronger things to me about prayer. I feel better about my prayer life, realizing I'm simply communicating with the Father. And I want to share with you some things today that have been revealed to me that I try to keep in mind as I pray. So prayer is simply communicating, but there's some keys to how we communicate. The first thing is this. Prayer involves honesty. Prayer involves honesty. Honesty is the opposite of being a fake. Honesty means you're not sugarcoating things. You're not putting on a fake mask. That you're not lying in your prayer and you're not going half-hearted into your prayer life. Seems simple, but let's be honest. We pray some of the fakest prayers in the world. God wants 100% honesty. Here's the funny thing. He already knows he already knows. The other day, Charlie did something to Emily. We saw the whole freaking thing. We saw it. Charlie, did you do so and so to Emily? No. I saw it. I know the truth of what happened. I just wanted her to be honest. Here was the funny thing. 
She wasn't going to get in trouble for what she did. She was going to be told not to do it again. She got in trouble for lying. She couldn't grasp that concept when she went to bed at 5.30 at night, which was a punishment to her and glorious for us. Every parent said amen. Just wanted her to be honest. God already knows the truth. He just wants to know if you're going to be honest or you're going to be a liar. We've got to be honest when we go to God. As you read the Bible, let me tell you something. You will see some, some raw prayers. You'll see some real prayers. I mean, check out, check out this prayer from Jeremiah. This is Jeremiah praying to God. Look what he says. You deceived me, O Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I'm ridiculed all day long and everyone mocks me, Lord, because of you. Now, this wasn't true, but this was how Jeremiah felt at the time. He felt God had abandoned him. He felt that he had prophesied something and God had not delivered on that prophecy and the people were mocking him and the people were making fun of him. And instead of sugarcoating it and shaking it off, he went to God and said, God, I'm pissed off. I'm angry. I'll never forget when I first got in ministry, I did a funeral. I did a funeral with another preacher, and I'll never forget him looking at the family and saying, you just got to trust God. Don't get angry at him. Don't get mad at him and just trust. No, no, it's okay to get angry with God. You ain't going to win the argument, but it's okay. God wants us to come to him. There's times I have thrown down with God. There's times I have argued with God. There's times I have asked God, he, doesn't, he did not abandon me, but I have said, why have you abandoned me? Why am I going through this? God, I am angry. I am frustrated. God, I want to kill this person. So you pray that I said, I, I prayed it more than you think. Me and God, I ain't good at much, but we're going to throw down with some real conversation. Because it's the only way to go to God in prayer. It's okay to be angry. It ain't really okay to stay that way. But when you go to him angry, God can begin to work in your life. I mean, Jeremiah's laying it on the line here. <laughs> I wish I could go back to that day when all the men were holding hands at that church and be like, God, I'm here because I'm trying to take this girl out, and I don't understand why I'm holding these men's hand, and this is weird. Amen. You know why? Because that's honestly how I felt. God knew that's how I felt. <laughs> Man, I didn't, I didn't come to church to pray, God. I didn't come to hang out with squeezy hand guy and dead fish guy over here. It's freaking me out. I came to impress this girl's parents. You know that? but we were fake, we lie. <laughs> For so long in my life, I was just dishonest in my prayer life. I, I, I prayed what I thought God wanted to hear instead of what I needed to say, like I was impressing God. Pull that Gary Lamb down there, I tell you what. <laughs> that boy can pray. Tell you what, he's fake as hell, but yeah, he can pray. <laughs> Hell's not a cuss word, do not anybody call me. Show me grace. He was looking down, and God's like, this dude's a liar. 
dude's a fake. I know his thoughts. Why don't he just pray what he really is thinking? Why don't he just be honest with me? <laughs> I, I, I was so impressed with impressing people with my prayers that I wasn't even being honest in my prayers. The Bible says this. It says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have, not re- they have received the reward in full. He said, don't worry about those people who are just faking and, and glorious and pray for everybody to see their prayer. They, they're receiving their reward right then while people praise them. Oh, look what a prayer warrior they are. He's saying, just get raw and get honest. Man, we got to learn to pray. we got to learn to be honest. It's okay to tell God what you're struggling with. It's okay to tell God you're angry. It's okay to tell God you're depressed. It's okay to tell God you don't understand why this is happening. He's God. He's the Father. Would any of you ever want your kids to not feel the freedom to come to you and be honest? We've told our kids over and over, you come to us and tell us anything. It doesn't mean we like everything they tell us. But thank God they feel the honesty to come to us and tell us. For the longest time, it was Emily would always come to me. Now we're in a thing where Avery won't come to me about his weird stuff that he's going through as a teenage boy that I don't really want to know about anyway. And he goes to Christine. There's honesty in that. I don't like everything that I hear. (laughs) I'll be real honest with you. But I love that they can come to me and be honest. What do you need to be honest with God about today? What are you struggling with? What's your hurt? What's your habit? What's your hang up? Be honest. Some of you are so defeated right now. You're frustrated with life. You're living in the negative zone. And God's like, if you just come to me with honesty and tell me what you're going with, I can't just take it away like that, but we can start the process of healing. God, my husband sucks. You already know that. But I'm telling you, I'm struggling with it right now. God, my kids, I'm going to wring their necks. You already know what they're doing. I don't know what you do. God, I hate my job. I'm frustrated. God, I'm angry that I'm in this position. God, why did you do this, this, and this in my life and put me here? And then all of a sudden, I, I, I was diagnosed with this disease. And I don't understand. And I'm angry. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad with God. It's okay. It's okay. God is good with our emotions. He just wants you to be honest. The reason some of your prayer life suck is you think prayer is so much more complicated than communication, and when you go to them, you're a fake. Prayer involves communication about everything. Everything. So many times we won't go to God about things because we don't think it's important enough. When Ashlyn was about six years old, she came to me one day. She was tore up. When she's 18 now, but when she was six, she was so cute and so adorable. She's still beautiful, but she's a pain in my rear right now. But when she was six, she was daddy's girl. And daddy could do no wrong, and daddy could fix anything. And she came to me with her doll, and her doll had a hole in it. The dog had ripped the back of it. And she asked me, 
Daddy, will you pray for my doll? And I remember thinking to myself, are you for real? God doesn't care about your freaking doll. I did not tell my six-year-old that, but I thought it. And I said, yeah, I'll do it in a little bit, baby. No, do it now with me here. Because I wasn't going to do it later because I thought it was a dumb thing to pray about. God doesn't care about a hole in a six-year-old's doll. But something happened. I remember this story like it was yesterday. I looked down at my six-year-old, my first child, who I love, and she was broken over that hole in that doll. When I saw how upset she was, don't miss this. Don't miss this. When I saw how much she cared about the hole in the doll, suddenly I started to care about the hole in the doll. When I saw her broken over the hole in the doll, which in the grand scheme of things seemed really small, I could have took her to the store right then and bought her 50 dolls, but that was her doll. And when I saw how upset she was about that, don't miss this, don't miss this, because it was important to her, became important to daddy. When you go to God, no matter how small it may seem and how significant it may seem and how you think, oh my gosh, there's people that don't even have clean drinking water. I don't need to go to God about this. No, you need to go to God about that because when your heavenly father sees how important it is to you, it becomes important to him. How many of us don't go to God because we think what we're coming to him is a waste of his time? No, no, it's not a waste of his time. We just think it's a waste of our time to do it. The Bible says this in Philippians, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. That word anything in the original language is a very powerful word. You know what it means? It means anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Nothing. Do not be anxious. Don't worry about it. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with thankfulness, positivity, present your request to God. People come to me and say, man, I'm having a panic attack. I'm having anxiety. And I believe panic attacks are real. I believe anxiety is real. I believe depression is real. Do not leave here today. Think I am mocking any of that. But if you've ever come to me with any of that, I give you an answer. And you've probably looked at me and thought, well, he just gave me the cliche answer. I always tell you this. Turn on some worship music. Start to pray. And focus on the positive. Every single time. I'm not giving a cliche answer. I'm giving you the biblical answer. That's how you deal with it. Does that mean snap a finger, it's going to go away? No, it's not. But with everything, in every situation, go to God in prayer, petition, and go to him with thanksgiving. Don't go to him with the negative. Don't go dwelling on how your life sucks and how horrible everything is. I get sometimes life sucks and sometimes things are horrible, but even in the midst of that, there's greatness and there's things to be thankful for. Somebody said, said, well, I got to be thankful for it. I said, you got to be thankful that you know me. We were, we were scraping the bottom in this person's life. I said, man, I don't know, but you know me. You know? Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, my prayer and petition with thanksgiving. See, we think we should only pray these big, important things to God. And I, get, I used to be so guilty of that. God, I'm praying these huge things. 
And God says, just come to me with the small things. I want you to come to me with everything. I want you to come to me about your fears. I want you to come to me about your dreams. I want you to come to me about your struggles. I want you to come to me about your job interview. I want you to come to me about your car. I want you to come to me about your finances. I want you to come to me about your children. If you think God doesn't understand and care about these things, then you don't understand God. He cares for us, so he cares about what we care about. God wants us to come to him about everything in communication. <laughs> oh, BTW. If you were to learn to go to God about everything, don't miss this. If you were to learn to go to God about everything, you might find yourself having to go to God a lot less. You might avoid some of them situations you get in had you been going to God in the first place. Hey, prayer involves nonstop communication. Nonstop communication. See, we need to understand this. Prayer's not just something we do where we fold our hands and get on our knees. I'm taking time to pray. No, no, it's constant communication. I very rarely say amen unless I'm doing like a formal prayer up here because I don't want to end the conversation. It's nonstop communication. The Bible says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray continually. For someone who hates praying, this was hard for me for a long time. As a pastor, this messed me up because I'm like, man, I don't want to be praying all the time. But I just realized, man, it's an open dialogue all the time. Then I was reading my Bible one day and I came across this story of, of Hannah. And, and, and God laid this thing on Hannah's heart. And Hannah had something on her heart, one thing she wanted more than anything. She wanted to be a mother so bad, and it wasn't happening. So she prayed. And she prayed. And she prayed. First Samuel 1 says this, as she kept praying to the Lord. As she kept praying to the Lord, when everyone around her had given up on her having this child, she kept praying. When everyone around her was having children, and that's all she wanted in life, she kept praying. I don't know how long she prayed, but I know she didn't stop, and God eventually answered her prayers. And you got to understand, in this day and time, to time, a woman was defined by the children she had in this culture. As everyone around her was having baby showers, she kept praying. She just kept praying. Well, we've got to understand that prayer is something that needs to be done continually. So how do we do that when our mind's wandering after about five minutes, or in my case, 60 seconds? You just keep praying. I, I, I struggled with the continual prayer thing and how do I keep this going until something happened to my son one day. My son got really sick. Luke did. And he was having breathing problems and they had to take him to whatever the kid's hospital was in Atlanta. And I don't remember what the situation was. I, I was trying to think of it this morning. But for whatever reason, I couldn't be there. I, could, I, I don't remember why. I don't know if I was, I don't, I don't remember why. He was there for three days. And you know what's funny? When it was my son there for three days, I never stopped praying. I didn't even have to think about the fact that I was praying. 
I'd be at the red light praying. I'd be watching the TV praying. I'd be on my job working praying, just continually in the back of my mind praying, lifting up my son in prayer. I, I, I found myself praying for him every free second. I, I prayed for the doctors. I prayed for the nurses. I prayed that God would heal him. I, I, I was in this bad place, and I, I, I was in this place that all I could do was go to God in continual prayer. Here's the deal. Every day in some part of our life, we're in a bad place. Every day we're in need. And every day we need to be taking those things to God. What I've tried to do in my life is just develop that habit of prayer. I, it might be one sentence here and two sentences there or 60 seconds here. Or sometimes I get I get whole nother level and it's five minutes over here. And then I'm like, oh, I'm clicking today, man. I'm rocking and rolling today. And, and we just pray continual state of communicating with God. <laughs> we, we need to be praying. I had a guy come to me a few months ago and he said, his son, my son's going through this, this, and this. And then he said something, and I don't think he meant it in a bad way, but it was being honest. He said, he said how long do I pray about this? I said, well, if it was my son, I'd pray about it forever until I got an answer. Uh, well, uh, I didn't think of it that way. I said, if I had to pray five years, I'd pray five years. If I had to pray 20 years, I'd pray 20 years. Because it matters so much to me, I'm going to be in continual prayer to God about what it is I need to go to him with. <laughs> Last and I'm done and we're going to go home and I'm going to eat some chicken wings. Preacher habit every Sunday, chicken wings. Prayer involves creative communication. You're going to find this shocking. But I am probably one of the most ADD people you've ever met. I know, shocker. Shocker. Get bored very easily. I chase squirrels. I do 20 things at once. <laughs> like, you should come spend a day with me. You should come spend a day in my mind. My thought process on how I get from here to here to here to here to here, it's all over the place. And, and so that's one of the reasons I struggled with prayer. Because I had it in my mind that prayer was get down on your knees and just pray to God. Huh. See, I, <laughs> I forgot to put this in my notes. See, I've learned, I want you to bear with me here. I've learned that prayer is a lot like sex. When you're married, that stopped you, didn't it, Richard? You're fixing to head backstage. That stopped you in your tracks, didn't it? I saw it. I saw it. When you're dating, boy, ain't no routine to it. I mean, you'd be doing it at the red light. You'd be sneaking off to the bathroom at church. Don't lie. Listen, I get it. But then you get married and you get in the routine. Some of you even schedule it. At least you're getting it. Whatever. I'm sorry, my mind just goes there sometimes. You get comfortable with each other, and it gets boring. Or you get comfortable with each other, and it just doesn't happen. That's what we do with prayer. 
we just get in a routine with God. I pray at this time, at this place, in this way, and I say the same tired, old, sad prayer every time. No wonder we're not excited about it. We need to add some spice to our prayer life. One day I was reading about King David. I dig me some David, boy. And he was praying, and he was praying an amazing thing, and he communicated with God in various ways. He, he, he communicated with God through music. He com- What's prayer? Prayer is communication. So if you're communicating with God, you're in prayer. And, and David would, he said, my heart, oh God, is steadfast. I will sing and make music with all my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will wake in the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the people. There's times I just flip on prayer, or excuse me, I flip on worship music. It's rare. I'm not a worship music guy, but there's times Christine knows if it's been rough with my life, she comes home and there's worship music on. And you think you're worshiping. I'm not worshiping, I'm praying. I'm singing those songs to God. Well, I don't know that I'm a child of God. I'm not going to sing to you today. It's been a long time since I sit on the front row and communicated with God like I did this morning. That was powerful. I was worshiping, but I was communicating with God in prayer. That girl can sing. So we, we can communicate with God through shouting. He said, he said, may we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. We ought to get excited about God. Do you realize we get more excited about our football team than we do the fact that Jesus Christ came to earth, died on the cross where we could have eternal life? What is wrong? I've told you before, that, that ought to be a tailgating party every Sunday. Grills, kegs, kegs for after the service. Like, RV, like church ought to be like, we can get excited about the Falcons who let you down every year. We can get excited about the dogs. And I love the dogs, but here's the deal. They're going to lose a game this year. They do every year. It's what they do. God never lets us down. Well, that was, like, that was super Baptisty right there. Hey, the Georgia Bulldogs will let you down, but God won't. <laughs> mm. David knew there was different ways to communicate with God. Man, write your prayers down. Write, write your prayers down. Pray during your routine task. You know, some of the times I pray the most is 4.30 in the morning when I'm at the gym. It's quiet. I used to listen to podcasts. I used to listen to... I've got to her here lately. I just listen to praise music. And, and I just find myself getting in that time and communicating with God. Pray in different places. The day I was driving around, and literally, I don't know why, I just felt, I just pulled over the side of the road. I just felt like I needed to stop at that moment and pray. There's times you can drive and pray. But that moment, I felt like I needed to close my eyes. I don't know why, so it's probably not a good idea to continue driving. Sometimes, you know what you can do? Because, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Prayer's what? Prayer's communication. You know a part of communication that we overlook? Hello, married people? Listening. Sometimes, you just go in the room and be quiet. And just listen to God. Listen for that still, small voice. Your prayer life's got boring. No wonder you don't want to do it. Add a little spice to it. 
Your prayer life doesn't have to be something you dread. It can be something powerful if you'll embrace it. I get it. I'm your pastor, and I don't really like praying a lot. So I get that you struggle with it too. You know how I know we struggle with it? Because we have a prayer meeting here on Monday at 7, and like four people come. Confession, I don't come either. I'm not saying you should come. I'm not, I, I've never been pastor to get up here and guilt people into coming to a prayer meeting. I get you to do anything. If you want to come, come. They're here for Monday, 7 o'clock. I even heard they have pizza sometimes. They don't ever tell me about those nights. We dread praying. But don't miss this. Every great movement of God started with a bended knee. Dale Moody said that. He said every great movement of God. You want a great marriage? It starts with prayer. You want a great career? It starts with prayer. You want great children? It starts with prayer. You want the life that you've been wanting to live? Let me rephrase that. You want the life that God wants you to live because he don't really care about the life you want to live? It starts with prayer. Every great movement of God starts with prayer. So don't you think it's real smart on the devil's part to get us to hate prayer? 